0: The mind's eye. The ability to visualize thoughts and ideas in your mind. The ability to recall memories in vivid detail. But for 1% of the population, they lack the ability to do this. A condition known as aphantasia, their mind's eye is blind. When asked to think of a person, object or place, all they see is darkness. Today, we'll share the stories of Alex Wheeler and Amy Wright and how Aphantasia has affected their ability to cope and grieve for their loved ones, how it's affected their memories and creativity, and how they learned they had Aphantasia, next on Technically a Conversation. Greetings. You're listening to Technically a Conversation, a podcast where we share an interesting topic or story with each other and hope you find it interesting as well. I'm one half of your host, Jose, and I'm joined as always by my lovely co-host, Isela. How are you doing today?
1: I am doing fantastic. How are you?
0: Good. It's finally starting to warm up a little bit, so I'm enjoying not having my heater cranked most of the day, giving me bloody noses and chapped hands and ass.
1: Wow. That's Pretty bad. Yeah, I've been able to pretty much kind of keep it off during the day because it's like I'm at home today and I just had my little space heater on. Good to go.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. Luckily, the freeze we experienced last week wasn't too bad. Uh, Ted Cruz wasn't even spotted at the airport this time, so that's always a good sign.
1: <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> he actually stayed for us that faster. Yeah, no. It was actually really nice. I, I love the cold weather.
0: You love the half inch of snow we got?
1: Yeah. I actually I think on this side of town, we got a little bit more. Did your brother also report a little bit more?
0: Based on what he was telling me, it seemed like there was a lot more snow on his side of town than there was on mine.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I heard that East side also got not as much as we did.
0: Well, quick reminder before we get started, I wanted to remind everybody about our contest. We really want to grow this podcast and we have a lot of great ideas, but we need your help, super friends. If you enjoy our show... Take two minutes to write us a review. What should they do again, Isela?
1: Send us a quick screenshot. All the details are at technicallyaconversation.com and you can win your very own Technically a Conversation t-shirt.
0: That's right. And uh, all the information will also be in the show notes. To those of you that have already left us a review, thank you.
1: Thank you guys so, so much.
0: Now I want to take this opportunity to shout out the queens, super friends, Elena and Erica, for sharing our post on their social media.
1: Thank you, ladies.
0: Yes, thank you. We really appreciate you helping us to spread the word. We're ready to get started?
1: We are ready. Buckled up.
0: Great. Let's get started. (laughs) Okay. So, Isela, have you ever daydreamed before? All the time. Is there anything in particular that you daydream about, like being a dancer or maybe giving me the stone cold stunner when I annoy you?
1: The so-called, the, now that I know how to do it. <laughs> no, actually, I don't think there's really anything. But when I catch myself daydreaming, it's just really when I'm zoning out.
0: How vivid would you say your daydreams are? Or for that matter, when you recall a memory, how vivid would you say that they are?
1: Oh, uh, I guess it depends. If it's something recent, then I, I can pretty much remember more detail. But if it's if it's pretty far away, I mean, even my sister um, was telling me about some people in our family that I was like, oh, I don't, I don't remember these people. It was, really, <laughs> it was really sad. She's like, I used to play with them when I was young. And I'm like, "Who?" like <laughs> it was sad. But yeah, so it just depends.
0: Did you know that there's a name for this, being able to visualize scenarios or ideas in your mind?
1: <gasps> oh, no.
0: It's called the mind's eye. So let's talk a little bit about this. Okay. If I were to ask you to tell me about your favorite restaurant, describe it to me.
1: Um, I don't know. You walk in, it's got high tables and it's dark wood. It's got a little karaoke machine, which is always really cool to have in a restaurant. And, uh, and um, there's like a TV, like with a little bar section in the back and then the sushi section to the right when you walk in, that Gangnam style. Oh my God. If you guys don't know, you guys got to go.
0: Yeah. I remember we went there, I think last year for your birthday, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Now, when you're describing this image to me, can you actually see it? Like if you're looking at a picture?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Can you see the plates and the napkins and the utensils and all that stuff around you? Yes. Maybe some plants as decorations?
1: Um. Yes. I can see the fake plants. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I remember they had some weird like tree branches that were decorated, right?
1: In the corner. Yeah. <laughs> like a little cherry blossom looking thing.
0: <laughs> well, did you know that there are some people that lack the ability to visualize images in their mind.
1: Oh, that's so sad.
0: Like if you ask them to visualize a cute little dancing monkey wearing a pink tutu and tiara and holding a princess wand, they're not able to.
1: Oh my God. That's really sad.
0: (sighs) Yeah. And if that sounds oddly and disturbingly specific, that's just one of the many random images that haunt me from time to time.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, do they want to visualize that? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, no, it's just one of those images that haunt me. That and Goatzi.
1: Goatzi, who's
0: that? Uh, I don't know if... Uh,
1: you can send me a Google picture later.
0: <laughs> n- you do not want a Google picture of it.
1: Okay, good. Never mind then. Don't, don't, don't.
0: Well, I guess we have the parental advisory warning on our podcast, so we could probably discuss it a little bit.
1: I have a good mind's eye or whatever that is. It's a very <laughs> sharp mind's eye. <laughs> I have the eagle mind's
0: eye. <laughs> All right. Well, in this one, it's gonna it's gonna activate that mind's eye. Goatsy was probably one of the first. I guess you could say trolling when the internet first started. You would tell people like, "Oh, check out this picture," and you would send them the link to Goatsy. And when you would click on it, it was a picture of like a naked guy, and he was like clenching open his uh, gaping asshole.
1: <laughs> <gasps> oh. Oh, no, I don't want to see that. Negative, negative.
0: When that came out, that's like when the hackers were first starting. So I don't know if you remember those billboards that they were like video screens, like when they first started coming out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people would hack them and put Goatsy on there. (gasps)
1: No. Oh, Oh my God. I bet there was a lot of accidents. (laughs) They're like, honey, was that an asshole?
0: (laughs) I first learned about it watching, um, I want to say it was either Call for Help or Screensavers on Tech TV. They were doing a live show, and somebody hacked them, and they put on the, on the screen, they put Goatsey. Oh,
1: my gosh. That's awful. Wow. Well, I'm glad I <laughs> have not seen that then. <laughs> Very glad.
0: <laughs> that kind of leads a little bit into what we're going to talk to on this podcast. Up until 2015, it was believed that everyone had this ability to conjure up images in their heads, like Goatsy. That was a year that it was discovered that a small percentage of people don't have this ability their mind's eye is blind. This condition is called aphantasia, and I'm going to share a couple of stories with you about people with this condition and what life is like for them. It's very interesting how these people see the world, and when I say see, I mean literally see, not figuratively because they can't see things figuratively. The following is from a video titled Aphantasia, The People Who Can't Visualize by Wired UK. They highlight two different people living with this condition, Alex Wheeler and Amy Wright. Alex first discovered something was different about him when his mother passed away in August of 2019. It was a very difficult time for him, but he found that he handled her passing very differently than, than the rest of his family. He was able to move on fairly quickly, and this led to his brothers questioning him because he wasn't handling her death the same way that they did. One day he was watching the show Space Force on Netflix, and one of the characters asked the other to picture Ronald McDonald riding a surfboard. And the other character replied that he couldn't because he had aphantasia. This immediately resonated with Alex. He paused the show and he ran downstairs to ask his father if he could see things in his mind. His father replied, of course I can. Can't you? And Alex replied that he couldn't. Alex lives his life in facts. He still has concepts and ideas and is able to remember the things that he did on a particular day. But instead of seeing images, everything is knowledge based. The example that he gave is that it's like knowing the start and end dates of World War II. He'll know that he gave a presentation at work on Friday or went on a boat ride two weeks ago. He just doesn't have mental images of them. Alex got in contact with Adam Zenman, professor of cognitive and behavioral neurology at the University of Exeter Medical School. And according to Professor Zenman, the first person to ever make the observation that there are people who can't create mental images was Sir Francis Galton in 1880. But it wasn't anything that he focused or wrote at length about, and it pretty much went ignored for over 100 years. It wasn't until 2003 that a patient was referred to him with the inability to visualize that research really started in earnest. When he started publishing his work with this patient, 15,000 people got in touch with him about this condition.
1: Wow, that's a lot of people.
0: It is. And now it's estimated that about 1% of the world's population suffers from aphantasia. Is that more than you imagine? You seem surprised.
1: I guess because there's not that many people. I mean, 1% is a small percentage. Like, I think we could still sum it up to that. But maybe that's why it went undiagnosed or whatever, unresearched for so long. to 2015, you know what I mean? And there's only one person complaining about it. This Sir Francis or other. And they're like, well, it's just you. You're the weirdo. And then they're like, shoe fly, <laughs> you know? But now that's 1% is is surprising. I guess I thought it was going to be a little bit smaller, but still very interesting.
0: Yeah. And the thing with Sir Francis Galton, he really didn't focus on it or he didn't really study it. So he just kind of wrote about it and nothing really came out of it. So that's why it took so long for people to actually start researching it. As you'll find as we go more into these stories, most people who have aphantasia don't even know that they have it. Oh, wow! So it's possible that there's a lot more people that actually have it and aren't even aware of it. Going back to uh, Professor Zenman, he stated that occasionally aphantasia is a result of a brain injury or psychiatric disorder. But most people with this condition who have reached out to him have had lifelong aphantasia and are able to live successful and productive lives. mainly because they don't know that they have it. Right, And it's not until they have their kind of aha moment that they realize that it's even a thing. For Alex, it was watching a series on Netflix, though he sensed that there was something different about him when his mother died. And he noticed that he processed grief differently from his siblings. Now he's able to talk about his mother's death very clinically and without emotion. But when he looks at pictures of his mother, he does feel emotions the same way as any other person would. But in his case, it's literally a condition of out of sight, out of mind.
1: So is that typical for all aphantasia affected people?
0: That's a good question. Um, The second person that we're going to talk about, it seems like her aphantasia is not as bad. And I'll go ahead and discuss some of the things that she experienced. It's possible that just like anything, there's a spectrum
1: Oh, there's like varying levels. Oh, that's so cool. Okay.
0: With the help of an MRI, researchers have observed that people with vivid imagery have a strong connection between the frontal lobe of the brain, which is responsible for decision making, thinking, and speaking, and the occipital lobe, which is responsible for vision and visualization. Thoughts turn into images for people with this strong connection. People with aphantasia have a weaker connection, so they're not able to summon or create these mental images. After learning a little bit about Alex and his condition, are you able to relate to him, or are your aphantasia symptoms a little bit different? Isela?
1: <laughs> I don't. I definitely don't have any aphantasia symptoms. <laughs> um,
0: I'm kidding. That was just a bad joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> so should we take a little break before we start talking about Amy Wright?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. That's yeah. That's that's very interesting. I'm I'm very curious to hear like the varying levels of this. So yeah. Let's knock it
0: out. Try and visualize our fine sponsor. (gasps)
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) The Iceberg Lounge is Gotham's coolest new nightclub, offering the finest nightlife and dining experience. Whether you're looking to entertain your business associates or looking for a night out on the town, the Iceberg Lounge is truly an experience. Our restaurant offers you the most extravagant dishes cooked to perfection by some of the world's most renowned chefs. And our lounge features some of the best jazz bands in town, all housed in our 12,800 square foot, two-story club. The Iceberg Lounge is more than just food and music. It's a feast for all the senses. The pool and iceberg are located in the central dining area with live seals and penguins to enchant and delight you, and our bar has the finest wines and liquor to satisfy even the most refined and discriminating tastes. Come by for our early bird special—free caviar with every meal before six.
0: So, how was your breaky, sala?
1: It was good because that's a really good ad to visualize. A gigantic iceberg in the middle? What? Yes.
0: I know. I feel like I was there just listening to her.
1: Yeah. 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 Although the line about fine liquors and all that made me think, I wonder if they sell that Peppy Van Winkle or whatever it's called. Peppy (laughs) Van something, right? The one that's like the rarest of the rarest uh, bourbon or whatever it is.
0: I guess it's so rare that I never even even heard of it.
1: I've never tasted it, but- Neither has most of uh the people that are not rich, I guess. <laughs> most of us nos fregamos.
0: <laughs> yeah, just Pappy Van Winkle sounds kinda of funny. Oh,
1: I thought it's Pappy Van Winkle. I could be talking out of my butt now. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> I wanna say it's called I know they, they call it a bottle of Pappy.
0: There's another one also that's really expensive. I think it's called like Louis Louis the Eighth or Louis the Eighteenth or Louis some number. But that one is super expensive. And that one, like the presentation, like the box comes in gold and-
1: I weigh.
0: Yeah, it's it's really cool. Like that would be one that I would like to try if I ever become a millionaire or something. I
1: don't, I think I would rather them put the like what I'm going to pay for into the the actual distilling process. Like I want to taste it. It's not, for me, it's not so much the bottle. It's more about the insides.
0: Well, let me tell you the thing about that liquor. It's aged for a hundred years. The people that put that liquor in the, in the barrels are dead. Yeah. They never got to taste what they made.
1: <sighs> what kind of fucked up quality control is that? <laughs> Pior, I'm definitely the one. I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> it's called like Louis the eighth or Louis the 18th or something. But yeah, I hear it's also like, I think like $13,000 a bottle or Ooh, something crazy like that.
1: That is insane. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's uh That's going to be a good good podcast later.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Talking about a good podcast, let's talk about our second person, Amy Wright. Amy is an artist and YouTube animator. Her most popular upload is actually an animated video where she describes what aphantasia is and how she discovered that she had it. It's called I Have Aphantasia and You May Too Without Realizing It and currently sits at a cool 6 million views. Oh, wow. Link will be in the show notes. She states that she didn't know she was born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline or if she got aphantasia due to a childhood trauma. But it was around 2018 when she discovered that she had it. And knowing that she has this has pretty much flipped her whole world upside down. Kind of like when I first found out that it was the Berenstain Bears, not the Berenstain Bears. I felt like my whole life until that point was a lie. (laughs) <laughs> and I question whether this was still a world I wanted to live in.
1: That definitely rocked your world. I can understand. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> I still honestly haven't fully recovered from that.
1: That's, um, we got to talk about how privileged your life is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when Amy would read self-help books that would ask you to visualize your ideal self, or when she would listen to guided meditation that would ask you to picture yourself on a beach at sunset. She understood the concepts, but never believed that people could actually do this. She thought it was just fantasy talk, but she always thought it would be so cool if people could actually visualize these things. She also couldn't understand how people could read fiction. It didn't make any sense to her. But now she realizes she doesn't enjoy it because she can't see the characters, worlds, and situations playing out in her mind. Amy states that people always question how she's able to draw if she can't visualize things. And she says that she still has a memory. If she didn't, she wouldn't be able to recognize her parents or know how to get back home from work. But she just can visualize things. She knows what the color green is, but she can't see it in her head. If she has to draw an apple, she goes based on facts. She knows that an apple is often red, it grows on trees, is kind of roundish, like me, <laughs> can be both sweet or tangy, also like me.
1: All right, I knew you were gonna throw that in. <laughs> <laughs> So you said can can you just rewind a quick second? Did you say that she she does know like how to get home, like, okay, I take a right here, I take a left here, blah, blah blah, but she just can't visualize the path in her head
0: correct oh
1: wow, <laughs> and she's a a YouTube and an animator
0: yeah, all her i I was looking at um at some of the videos that she had on there she has videos that vary from a bunch of different topics she doesn't just focus on one thing and all of them are animated
1: i guess when i think of animation i think of things that you draw up from like something you've seen or your just you know your imagination so maybe i'm thinking of a different animator like how does she do that if she doesn't um she doesn't have like an imagination kind of thing like she can't imagine that
0: In the first video, they do actually show her and she talks about it. And she says that what she does, like if she has to animate an emotion, she's drawing those emotions like she's feeling them, if that makes any sense. So if she's smiling, she has a big smile. She kind of like looks at herself and draws that.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Very interesting.
0: She describes her mind as being like a computer. Everything works. She can write and access data. It's just that the monitor is off. Up until she discovered that she lacked the mind's eye, she had led a pretty normal, unencumbered life. But now that she knows something is missing, she feels a little empty and hollow, like she's missing something, especially as an artist. One thing that's very interesting about Amy is that she stated that she does dream and has very vivid imagery in her dreams. But the moment she wakes up, she can't remember the images anymore, just the experiences. Oh, wow. She also states that all her dreams are in third person, so if she's running away from something, she sees herself running away. She also says that while she can't create images in her mind, she is able to recreate sounds, touch, and taste in her mind. So she's hopeful she doesn't have full aphantasia and might be able to fix herself. She stumbled across a guy online named James Somerset, who claims that he cured himself using something called image streaming. The way that this works is that you close your eyes and rapidly describe anything that pops into your head. Now for you and me, that's easy. But what she does is she tries to invent shapes from the blackness. You know how when you close your eyes, the darkness is not completely uniform. There's blotches or speckles. Mm -hmm. The idea is that by concentrating on these blotches, over time, you'll begin to see shapes, which can eventually turn into images. And uh, she stated that she would post a follow-up video on her YouTube channel if she's successful with this method. And as far as I could tell, no such update video has ever been posted.
1: Uh, So like in one way, it is a little bit sad because I know my vivid imagination is probably too good. (laughs) But on the other hand, I think like if you don't know what it is, then you don't know what you're missing. Like, eh, you know what I mean? It's like the person who never tasted bacon. They're like, well, I guess that weird crispy stuff looks good, which is really sad. But you know. Now, as a vegetarian, I can say that because I know what I'm missing. (laughs) But if I never tasted it, you know, I'd be like, whatever.
0: True. But there also are some advantages. Like, for example, when I was describing Goatsy earlier, she wouldn't be able to get a a mental image of that.
1: That's definitely an advantage.
0: (laughs) Were you able to get a mental image of Goatsy when I described the gaping asshole?
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And in my head, he was, like, smiling, too. Like, (laughs) you know, very, like, you like it? Gross very gross. No, I don't.
0: I'll look up a picture for you and send it to you so that that way you can...
1: No, please. Now, if you don't hear back from me for the next week, that's why. Because you blocked me. Because I'm afraid of listening or (laughs) opening your messages.
0: (laughs) The way that Amy discovered that she had aphantasia was also very interesting. She was actually going to a therapist to help treat her anxiety. And when the therapist asked her to build her own room in her head, her safe space... She started getting super stressed out that she wasn't able to do this. Instead of relaxing her, she was getting more anxiety.
1: Oh, that's really, that's that sounds like a big miss on the therapist part. I would imagine that it's really hard for people with aphantasia to also go through therapy for even like overcoming phobias. Because don't you kind of at least have to like picture that first and then you have to get comfortable with just the idea of that and then... You know, they start at least those exposure therapy ones, they kind of start bringing stuff, but they can't even
0: visualize it. That's a good segue to our next section, Isala. Yay. So aside from not being able to visualize Goatsy, what other advantages (laughs) would you say there are to having aphantasia?
1: I haven't really been a big fan of a lot of fiction books. So I think that helps. You're like, "Eh, this never happened. So why visualize it? That's kind of the way I never really got too much into them, although in high school, I remember I had to put Stephen King's It down because it was too visual and I was like torturing myself. (laughs) It's always like what's in your mind is always going to be scarier than what comes out of like a director's head. So I think skipping on a fiction book here or there is not a bad thing.
0: Yeah, that wasn't one of the advantages that Professor Zenman specifically called out, but he did call out a few advantages. Okay. First is people tend to be more present and in the moment. And this makes a lot of sense you don't have as many distractions as someone without aphantasia so you can focus on the here and now and this immediately made me remember and i don't know if you can relate to times where i would go on a little road trip by myself i'm going to visit friends or family and suddenly you think how am i not dead for the past (laughs) hour or so i was thinking of everything but driving i don't know how i got to this point i don't know how i didn't hit anybody I don't even know where I am.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Has that ever happened to you?
1: Um, that sounds like what you're describing is a blackout. Did you have a lot of drinks before <laughs> that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, that, that really has happened before that, like highway hypnosis. And before you know it, you're like, was that light green?
0: <laughs> yeah. You just get caught up in your own thoughts and your mind. And before you know it, like you snap back and it's a little concerning. Yeah. If you have aphantasia you probably don't have to worry about that. The second advantage that Professor Zenman pointed out was that people tend to be less prone to regret, longing, and craving. And this also makes a lot of sense. If there isn't an outside stimulus to trigger a particular memory, you're probably not going to become fixated on it and drive yourself crazy, replaying the same scene over and over in your mind.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, I can see that for sure. That part is definitely kind of lucky.
0: And that was the thing that... um Alex, the first person that we discussed, that was the issue with him. You know, he wasn't able to picture his mom, so he wasn't grieving her the same way that her siblings were. You know, he didn't have all these memories going on about, you know, things he would do with his mom. But when he would look at a picture of her, then yeah, he would feel all these emotions just like anybody else.
1: Yeah, yeah. And don't you ever, uh, like, think back to a particular awkward situation and then you're like, well, it's like the dirty dancing part in that movie where she hates herself, because she's like, I carried the watermelon. And then she's replaying it back in her head. She's like, that's what I said. I carried the watermelon. <laughs> so they're kind of free of that. That's kind of sweet.
0: <laughs> My whole life is pretty much one awkward event. So there's really no, no escaping that.
1: <laughs> that's so not true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the third advantage that um, Professor Zenman mentioned was that there might be some protection from PTSD as you really don't ever create an image so you're not able to visualize your trigger. So going back to what you were saying about phobias, um, you know, if you're not able to visualize that spider or the ghost or whatever it is that triggers you, you might not suffer from as many phobias as most normal people would.
1: Wow, that's very interesting.
0: And actually I should rephrase that, I shouldn't call it normal because even Professor Zenman doesn't <laughs> consider aphantasia to be a disorder or a condition. He feels that it's more of a variation in human experience.
1: Wow, I like that. Yeah, it makes people not feel abnormal.
0: And people with aphantasia usually don't feel abnormal. They don't feel like it inhibits their everyday life. And in the case of the two people that we discussed today, they didn't even know there was anything different about them. Um, It doesn't affect intelligence in any way. In fact, there have been some very successful and productive people with aphantasia. Would you like to hear some examples?
1: I wa- yes, I was going to ask. I'm like, he's going to go through a list. He's got to go through a list. Just wait a second.
0: <laughs> it's not a very long list just because they didn't talk about a lot of people. So I won't do a roll call, but see if you are familiar with any of these people. Okay. The first one is Craig Venture. He was the first person to decode the human genome.
1: <gasps> oh, wow.
0: There's author and writer, Oliver Sacks. All
1: right, Oliver.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ed Catmull. He recently retired as the president of Pixar.
1: See, and that's all about imagination. This is insane. That's so interesting. Okay.
0: Another thing that Professor Zenman said was that some people with aphantasia are very fact-driven. They generally tend to gravitate towards careers in science, maths, and information technology.
1: Mm, that makes sense. And he's he's a little bit different in that
0: aspect then. Yeah. I mean, he, he was running Pixar, so I'm sure... You went very much based on data. Yeah. But again, they aren't limited to these. As we discussed earlier, artists such as Amy Wright exist. There's also Glenn Keane, an animation artist with Disney. You might be familiar with some of his work. I'll name a few of the movies that he worked on. Let me know if you've heard of any of these <laughs> Tangled.
1: Oh, yes.
0: Tarzan. Pocahontas. Yes. Aladdin. Beauty and the Beast. The Little Mermaid.
1: That's insane. And he's also an animator?
0: He's also an animator.
1: Wow.
0: In fact, his IMDb page is dizzying. I looked it up to see what else he had worked on. He has 33 credits in animation alone. Wow. And that's not counting his credits in art, producing, directing, acting, etc.
1: I wonder if he's one of those that like where they say, okay, here's the picture that you're going to base it off of and do this, like at least they always have something concrete to base it off of.
0: When they were showing a little bit about him, uh, he was very much like Amy. If, you know, he was drawing like Ariel, like smiling or whatever, he would do like a big smile also and like draw it. Oh wow. Well. Or if he uh, drew a character clenching his fists and closing his eyes, he would do the same thing and and draw it as he was making those those emotions and those faces.
1: That's so fascinating.
0: So that's pretty much it.
1: Wow. That was really interesting. I didn't know that it, it was even, it had a name.
0: I didn't know that there was people that had aphantasia. I knew about the mind's eye. And initially I started doing the research because I wanted to write about that. But I was like, aphantasia is kind of a little bit more fascinating than that. So and I kind of went back and forth on both of them.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I don't know if I know anybody with aphantasia. I'm curious now. Now, I just want to ask everybody that I know, can you picture, whatever, Kermit the Frog?
0: And that's the crazy part is that most people who have it don't even know. It's not until they have that aha moment where they realize that their experiences are different than ours.
1: Well, that's true. Maybe I shouldn't go around asking them
0: because then they're going (laughs) to know that
1: they're they're a little different.
0: Now, before we go, we got a message from super friend Brex. (gasps) I guess he made good on his promise of revisiting all of our old episodes, <laughs> I apologize for seeing on the Plato episode. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Would you like me to read the message that he sent?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay. So you wrote, I wanted to give some points back on some stuff that you guys have said. Number one, Jose is completely right about Adam Sandler. <laughs> and I think that's one of the few things that I am ever right about Adam Sandler.
1: <laughs> I don't know.
0: Number two is my parents' version of Robachicos was the migra. That would be like immigration.
1: That's so sad.
0: They used to yell, la migra. And the three of us would duck down in the back seat and hide so they wouldn't come get us, even though we are US citizens.
1: <laughs> That's what makes it even funnier.
0: <laughs> yeah. Also, when anyone knocked, they would make us turn off everything and pretend we weren't home and my dad would peel the curtain back to peek to see who it was and whisper that someone was here to take us, so we better be quiet.
1: Oh, my God. That's so traumatizing.
0: (laughs) He says that in reality, it was just Jehovah's Witnesses or someone selling something.
1: Right. Oh, wow. (laughs) Wow.
0: And to his parents, it was easier to say someone would take them than to answer the door and say, no, thank you.
1: That's so traumatizing. Can you imagine that like conversation with the school kid the next day? Oh, my God. Last night, someone came to steal us. What? Who? I don't know. We never opened the door, so they went away. What?
0: You know, I can kind of relate to him a little bit on that second one. Mm-hmm. Our parents wouldn't tell us that there, were, there was somebody coming to, to steal us or anything. But my mom would sometimes have us answer the door and tell whoever was at the door that she wasn't there. But then as I got older, I refused to do it. So my mom would ask my sister to go answer the door and she would say, oh yeah, my mom's not home. So we would always tell her like, or I would always tell her I was the bad influence. Tell the person my mom said, they're not here.
2: That's so
1: mean.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So she did that one time where uh, she answered the door and like, oh, my mom said to tell you that she's not here.
1: (laughs) What? Also, like just as a side note, a young girl at home alone, like, I don't know if that's even what you want to (laughs) say.
0: Yeah. Well. My mom was there with her clenched teeth, all upset, um, you know, watching from the corner. I was there laughing. But yeah, we would do the same thing too. If, if she didn't want to answer, boom, we turn off all the lights, we turn off the TV and we'd be quiet. But yeah, like I would always like scream something obscene, like to kind of like blow the cover and yeah. make my mom <laughs> have to come out.
1: I'm surprised she didn't sit, like, give you more chanclazos, like more, she wouldn't throw shoes at you or something.
0: <laughs> oh, no, that was my dad. My dad was the one that would discipline
1: that would throw the shoes. Oh, my mom threw shoes. Like she, well, also, you know, she was alone most of the time. So she had to throw shoes. Dude, that accuracy though. God damn, that thing was like on point.
0: My grandma would be the one that was super good at throwing. And we, we used to joke around that she would throw the chancla and it would go around corners and everything. And like still no. <laughs> hit you. <laughs> That's so hilarious.
1: <laughs> You're like, ah, mira la Yankee. Yankee pitcher over here.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, my dad wouldn't throw shoes. He would throw belts, I guess. Belt whippings.
1: I don't know how well they I'm like, I don't know how well they fly, but <laughs> just kidding.
0: <laughs> but like I said, um, and I guess it was the good dad's podcast, and my dad did let me pick out which belt he was going to hit me with. So, so kind. Uh, Yeah, I did think that was very sweet of him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's okay. We all had that. Well, I know I did too. It's okay.
0: Well, on that high note, <laughs> we hope that you enjoyed the show, and you join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever fine podcasts are sold. Like this one. Follow us on the socials at greetingsTAC, email us at greetingsTAC at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669 if you have a story to share with us.
1: You know you do.